T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome in. Beamaz and Beamer here on WBEN. Of course, I'm just with you for the rest of the week. You'll have just me. Hope that's okay with you. Brian Mazarowski here. Uh, and we're continuing a conversation that we started along uh, yesterday. And I mean, really, we've been having it for the past. Uh, week or so, and even if you want to go further, the past several months with this focus on what's going on with a school bus driver shortage, and you know what that just kind of generally tells us about the state of schools and and how we look at schools and what we're doing throughout uh, the last couple of months and in the area. And yesterday, if you were uh, tuning in, you were up a little bit earlier, we spoke with Sam Radford on this, and uh, Sam, who's been a very involved parent uh, in the district uh, in Buffalo for a number of years. We've spoken with him on a number of issues. We spoke with him about this issue yesterday, and uh, there just wasn't enough time in the morning to, you know, uh, get get everything that we wanted to get to uh, with Sam. So I brought him back on today to kick off our show to help talk about this just a little bit further. Sam Radford is uh, joining me now. Uh, you know, Sam, I-, I am still perplexed at how we got to this point, but if you could kind of start off by explaining to uh, some of our listeners who aren't dealing with this on a day-to-day basis, because not everyone is a parent, not everyone is in a district that's necessarily having uh, problems like what we're seeing in Buffalo and some other districts when it comes to busing, but what are some of the busing problems? When we talk about a school bus driver shortage, what is this doing in certain cases to families that you're seeing in Buffalo? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Brian. And um, uh, let me let me say you started off the show by saying that this is a problem that, you know, we've talked about yesterday, this past week, in the past month, and true, really, for the past three months. But the, the truth of the matter is we talk about this problem. You know, if you go back and, you know, you look in the archives of WBN, you will see that this has been an issue that parents have been raising in the district in Buffalo before it became a national crisis, you know, really for the three years prior to 
um, the COVID, you know what I'm saying? So if you go back to 2016, 17, 18, it was a super crisis in 2018 and 19. We literally had to bring in the president, the national president, the first student. Uh, and, you know, they came in, they offered these bonuses and all the stuff we see going on now. This is really repeat for Buffalo. I mean, and, and, and to, to another point that, you know, this is really something that, you know, right now more districts in Western New York are dealing with than just Buffalo. Um, you know, there, there is a, a national bus driver short. Um, you know, it has a, a, a much more in, uh, 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 detrimental impact on a city like Buffalo because, you know, obviously Buffalo is the third poorest city in the United States of America of its size. And so, you know, when you start talking about, um, you know, things like Buffalo Public Schools was the last school in New York State to bring our kids back last year, and we already know that, you know, children fell behind during remote instruction during the pandemic. And now you've got a situation where children are getting to school, you know, sometimes one, maybe two hours late um, or not at all, because sometimes the bus is not showing up at all. Uh, and then in the evening time, you know, parents getting calls from the school district saying, listen, um, we don't have a bus for your child. You know what I'm saying? So you got to figure out a way to come get your child. You know, so, I mean, and, and when you're dealing with situations where you got parents who work, you know, and these things, you know, middle-class parents who, you know, got salary jobs who can just, you know, hop in the car and leave work and come get their kids, you know, these are, you know, people that are working families, you know, who work hourly jobs. You know, they can't just, you know, go get their kids. When you send your child to school in the morning to go to the bus, you go to work, you know what I'm saying? And um, if, if it turns out that the bus don't show up to get your child or the bus show up an hour late, it has a real-life impact on people who are living below uh, the poverty line. And so and there's an insensitivity to that because most of the people who are making decisions about how to deal with this situation, they are not in that situation, you know, you know, probably haven't been in that situation and they don't understand what it feels like to be that parent, not knowing, you know, if your child is going to get picked up, not knowing when they're going to get dropped off, when you got to make arrangements, you know, to have your child taken to the bus stop and have somebody to be there and meet them and you don't know when that's going to be. This is really, really disruptive uh, to the families in Buffalo and, and there doesn't appear to be a sense of urgency to address the issue, um, and, and we're really concerned about it. Hey, Sam, I, I find it almost as, as more of a, it's almost like an unwritten contract, you know, between parents, between, um, you know, communities all across western New York and the school district where their kids go to school that, all right, the, this school bus is going to be here, and it's going to be here on time, and that's one of the things we depend on, as you said there, uh, so many families depend on that happening and if that one thing doesn't happen and that one thing can't be relied on that throws your entire day it might throw your entire week your entire job anything else like that completely out of whack I mean when we talk about the essential things that a school needs to do to be able to run this is one of them I'm glad you said that, you know, because that, 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 it, it literally has that ability to disrupt your day. Um, and for people who don't understand that, they don't, um, they don't create solutions, you know, based on that. We need people to have a sense of urgency about this is a major disrupting factor. Um, and, and, and that's just the beginning of the disruption, you know what I mean? Because now you compound that with the fact that not only do you not have enough bus drivers, you also don't have enough bus aides. So that means we got buses that now, because of the shortage of bus drivers, you got 40, 50, in some cases, 60 kids on a bus with no bus aid. 
So now, you know, you got you, you, you already have the, the, the unsafe situation, you know, where children are standing on the bus stop and may not get picked up. You know, um, now they if they get on the bus, they may get on the, they get on the bus. There's no bus aid. There's a situation here in, in, in Buffalo, you know, last week where a student last Thursday, a student was on the bus. The bus driver had a heart attack and fell out of the seat. And there was no other adult on the bus. And if anybody who saw the interview saw the little girl said she was sitting there panicking and she realized that nobody was going to do nothing. So she got up and she ran and she pressed the red button and, you know, stopped the bus. But that right there was a tragedy, you know, potential tragedy. And we don't have another adult on the bus. You would think that by itself would make people just go up and out and say, oh, wait a minute, stop. We cannot afford to risk what might happen to our children by not having a bus aid on that bus, not making sure all of our children are safe on their way to or from school. Um, but because, by and large, the people who are making decisions, their children don't go to these schools, their children don't ride these buses. You know? And so, consequently, you know, until something tragic happens, you know, people just take the risk. And so what we're trying to do is say that parents, you know, um, are speaking up and we're, and we're saying to the school district, you've got to come up with a solution. We have in the press conference this morning at 1030 um, where we're going to talk more about some of those solutions. One of them that's going on in some other cities around the country is they're paying parents who can um, to, you know, bring their children to school or to reimburse them for the cost of bringing their children to school. Um, and so we're looking for some solutions, and we're hopeful that the district and the um, Board of Education will, you know, you know, have a, a, a much stronger sense of urgency and start looking for some solutions with us. You know, Sam, the thing you hit on right there is the thing that I still I cannot wrap my head around, and that is a lack in urgency. And I'm not going to sit here and say that this isn't being worked on. But, I mean, there needs to be a certain type of urgency, a certain type of you know, even we might even have to break rules if we have to, to be able to resolve this issue, because that's the current crisis that we're in right now. You know, I saw the statement from the superintendent over the weekend after the governor. And, you know, I, I would kind of point to a similar lack in urgency. She said that they're, you know, directing state agencies to ease restrictions on new hires, you know, three weeks into the school year. And the superintendent in Buffalo is saying that we're, you know, we're happy that she's doing that. We, uh, this is the statement, we look forward to continuing the productive dialogue on other creative approaches. And the time for dialogue, as we were saying, was five months ago. As you say, I mean, it might have been five years ago. But especially now, this was months ago. We knew this was going to be an issue for so long. Yet we still find ourselves here and now, okay, we'll see what solutions we can come up with. I I feel like there's got to be something you can do today, tomorrow, to at least alleviate the situation a little bit. I agree with you 100%. You know, there's no question about the fact that um, if this was the children of parents who had means and resources um, and that can bring consequences, uh, you know, to these uh, to, to people, you know, in the leadership, that this would not be happening. Um, there has to, you know, be 
a, a much greater sense of urgency about solving this problem for our children. It's like you said, you know, when we look at what went on in Chicago, Philadelphia, Baltimore, all of them made these decisions back in August. They knew it was going to be a bus driver shortage. They put together a plan to pay parents to get alternate day. In Baltimore, 771 parents, they came up with a plan. We know exactly the number of parents who are at risk. We're going to pay them to do it. And, and um, in Chicago, 2,100 parents. They knew exactly the number of parents. So they did their due diligence to make sure that parents, you know, were partnered with to help them not have this problem. Here in Buffalo, we just living with the problem. We just, we're not, we don't have, our leadership is not getting together and saying, you know, how do we partner to come up with a solution? They, they, matter of fact, the only people that's being inconvenienced right now are the parents and the students. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you know, you got students coming to school an hour or two hours late. You know, the, the, the people that are sitting downtown are not inconvenienced by that. And so they're not moving like they're inconvenienced by that. Because the truth of the matter is, you know, we, we talked about, you know, they could have did something in August. But the real truth of the matter is we should not even be in this situation because we shouldn't even be busting all these kids across the across town to go to school in the first place. If we were if we went back to community schools, a conversation that we've been having for, you know, over 10 years now and saying talk about the need to go back to community or neighborhood schools. Everybody is resisting it, you know, you know, for whatever their reasons and motivation is. But. At the end of the day, we're no longer desegregating schools. That's the reason why we originally bust our children. You know, Sam, I, I hate to interrupt you there, but I, I did want to get to that point because you did bring that up yesterday. I wanted to expand on that. I, I mean, this has been talked about for years, this idea of going back to neighborhood schools. What is the, especially on the elementary school level, right? You know, not when we're getting into anything specialized or you're going to a certain high school for a certain reason, right? Uh, on that level and middle school, why are we not uh, giving more attention to that? What is the resistance? Why is there resistance to that? You know, there, to me, there's no rational resistance. You know, the resistance that we've heard, you know, is that, you know, they, they want to give parents the opportunity to make a choice on where they want their children to go to school. They don't want their children to be going forced to go to a school in a zone or in a district somewhere closer to their house. You know, but the truth of the matter is parents don't have a choice. And even though they tell you you have a choice, they tell you that only 30% of the parents in the school district get their choice. The other 70% are placed. And so the reality is they want to give the illusion of choice. You know, they don't actually have a system, you know, where parents are getting to go to the school that they choose for their children. And all parents know that. You're saying it's a small percentage that that's happening with. So at this point, you know, if you've got, you know, the vast majority of your schools in the districts are failing schools, why would you go by, go drive by a failing school in your neighborhood to get chopped off at a failing school across town? It just don't make rational sense. And so and then it also here's the bigger issue. It, it, it affects parent engagement. If you're in the third poor city in the country, how is it that you expect parents to get across town to be part of, you know, parent-teachers conferences, be part, be part of events that's going on with their children? You're busing their kids all the way across town. You're not busing them across town. So if you put that school in the neighborhood where those parents live at, they can be much more involved with what's going on with their children. They can be involved in after-school programs, Saturday school programs. They can be more active as parents. And then the complaint that we have about not having, you know, active parents, you know, being involved in school district will go away. 
And so there's a lot of reasons why we should we should have been thinking about this. But this bus driver shortage this year, especially compounded with the fact that this has been going on for three or four years, should be the thing to push us over to where we as a community say, school board, the district administration, go to the uh, drawing table while we got, you know, over $300 million in additional funding in, in place and use those resources to restructure this district to where we don't have this problem going forward in the future by going back to community schools. Sam, uh, I, I've been saying for the past week, my idea is probably something that needed to happen three months ago. But, you know, when you identified this was going to be a serious problem in the district, uh, my idea for busing would have been $100 an hour. Like, listen, we need you. This is a crisis mode, $100 an hour to drive a school bus. I feel like you wouldn't be dealing with the shortage in bus drivers there. You probably wouldn't even need to go that high. Um, what Do you have any idea? What, what is the solution in your mind to this issue? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a, I, first of all, I think it's, there's, it's not a, 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 a magic pill that's going to solve it all. I think it's a combination of things. Um, I think, you know, obviously you take the percentage of parents who can bring their children to school on the bus and you let, I mean, bring their children to school uh, and, and with their own transportation and you do that. It's another percentage of parents who can give them, you know, um, you know, uh, reimbursement, you know, or, or a bus car, you know, or, you know, or resources some kind of way, they will get their children to school. You know what I'm saying? Whether that's taking them um, on the bus or whether that's, you know, riding a ride share with them, but the parent will responsibility for doing that. Then you got to do what First Student did last year. you got to make this a competitive way. Some school districts, um, what they did in the country um, is they made it a full-time job of benefits. You know, right now there's not a lot of incentive you know, for a person to take a part-time job or you work, you know, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, you're going to get retired people, um, you know, people who you could easily walk away from the job. You need to make it a real job, even if that means, you know, you're driving um, in the morning and you're doing, you know, um, other things like, like field trips and that kind of thing during the day, but it needs to be a full-time job or benefit. It's too much competition for a driver out there now. People are driving for Amazon and FedEx and UPS and DHL, it's too, just too many, uh, the competition for drivers is too high for this not to be a full-time job with benefits. And so if we want to go forward, we got to, the major thing we got to do is decrease our dependency on transportation. That is the major thing. We got to bring that down at least in half um, by having children walk to their neighborhood schools and, and come up with a comprehensive plan over the long term to where we don't end up back in the situation. It, it's not an easy thing to solve, obviously, in one swoop, as you laid out there, but but it is something that you're going to need maybe one or two to at least put a Band-Aid on the situation for the time being before hopefully these uh, issues are talked about and uh, what you've been bringing up this morning is part of that discussion. Sam Radford, always appreciate the conversation. Thank you for uh, being on with us this morning. Uh, enjoyed talking with you, and uh, I, I know we're going to find out a little bit more. He said he's talking at about 1030 in an hour from now uh, on this issue and more in Buffalo School. So what do you think? What is your thoughts on the crisis that you're seeing now? And have you... It, is it tough to relate to? I always think about this when it's any school issue that for so many people, it's so easy to, you know, turn completely ignore it, right? I mean, if you don't have a kid who's in school, you're not directly working uh, in a school, then, you know, generally you can go about your day without seeing the impact at all. Uh, but I always like to say this does impact you. You know, this should be something that you care about because at the end of the day, 
you are, I mean, this is the education, this is the training for the kids, soon to be grown-ups, who live in your community, right? They're going to be your neighbors. And, you know, it's the old, it takes a village, right? Maybe it takes a village to care about this in order to get something done. And, you know, one of the things, Sam, we had so much to talk about right now, we didn't get to it. Uh, today, we touched on it yesterday, is where is the accountability? I, I don't even think you need everybody to be up in arms about this. Uh, to expect some sort of accountability for this massive problem that's going on in Buffalo schools, and whether it's the school board, the superintendent, uh, some administrator is... I mean, we're we're going about our jobs like nothing's happening. At least it seems that way from the outside. Uh, your thoughts on this? What would alleviate the situation? What is the solution? And what about accountability? I mean, what if something like this happened at a private company? The entire board would be turned over in a week. Let me know, 803-0930 on our Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board or by giving me a call. You're listening to Beamaz and Beamer on WBEN. It's Beamaz and Beamer, News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back here, Beamaz and Beamer on WBEN, where we're continuing to look at some of the issues going on in the school district. You know, the focus is on Buffalo because that's where the biggest issue on busing is. It's not to say that uh, other districts aren't dealing with the same type of thing, and it's not just here in Western New York, it's around the country. Uh, but if you heard uh, beginning of the show, we had Sam Radford on, parent advocate, has been for a long time in the city of Buffalo. And, and he said, listen, we've been talking about this problem for years. Now, obviously, we're in crisis mode right now, but this is nothing new. This didn't sneak up on anybody. Now, we have been raising this issue for years and trying to find ways to deal with it. Um, you, you know, what are some of the ways to deal with it? Well, he's uh, pointing to neighborhood schools, and, and there's uh, more to come on that that we'll uh, talk about here. Uh, but that is a, that's a long-term solution. He's uh, definitely looking at the big picture there. In the immediate future, uh, what can you do? Uh, Philadelphia right now is paying families $300 a month or $3,000 for the year to opt out of school buses if you can get your kids to school on your own. There's one idea. And listen, you know, oh, we're going to pay people money. Remember, schools across the country, especially here in Buffalo, um, they, there was a big press conference to announce it. Schools across the country, unprecedented levels of funding. The money is there. And that money is supposed to help assist getting kids back in the classroom. You can't be back in the classroom if you don't get to school, right? It's tough to get back into the classroom if you don't have the means of transportation to get there. Uh, one school district in Virginia is offering for school bus drivers a $2,500 sign-on bonus. Um, and neighboring counties, uh, neighboring school districts, are offering a $2,400. So they said, all right, we're going to do $2,500 because this is now a competition. We need workers. We need people to get here. In Massachusetts, of course, we've been talking about throughout the past week, calling up 250 members of the National Guard. My big idea, $100 an hour. 
It's probably too late to do that now because you need people who are trained. And, and I mean, let's not forget, this is not, uh, when talking about CDL drivers in particular, uh, this is this could have been foreseen not just because of the lack of uh, employees, because of the pandemic, not just because of what we've seen over the past six months or so, uh, because, you know, so many school bus drivers weren't used last year. They move on to something else or they just quit being a bus driver entirely. You heard Sam Radford talk. Uh, it's not treated like a full-time job in most districts. Uh, this is a CDL problem, uh, right? This is uh, trucking companies. This is a lot of people who need drivers are going to be in this predicament because, uh, you know, big picture, if we look at even pre-pandemic, you know, what are you hearing about over and over and over again? Who is becoming a bus or a, a bus driver or a, a truck driver or looking to get their CDL license when you have story after story of Tesla's new self-driving semi-truck about to hit the roads, right? And, and it's all these stories about how this is one of the jobs that automation is coming for. So if you're wondering why this isn't super attractive, you can point to, I mean, just the idea of driving a school bus. It makes me shudder. Um, but just also that, you know, in general, of having that license and the things you can do with it, what, what once was opening up so many doors, now might not be the case. Ed, you're on WBEN. Uh, what's your take on this? Well, the thing that I'd like to see you guys do is contact one of the Board of Education members uh, and see what they're doing, not the uh, uh, superintendent of schools, because uh, some of these people, I don't live in a city, okay, but some of these people I know have been on the Board of Education for years and years and years. What are they doing to be creative and earn whatever pay they get or whatever? I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'd like to see you contact those people. And my other little comment is that, uh, you know, I remember 20 years ago or whatever it was when they integrated the schools. I thought it was a dumb idea at the time. At that time, I was living in the city. I thought it was a stupid idea, busing kids from one end of the city to the other. And it has come to prove today it is really a dumb idea. Yeah, that's it. Ed, appreciate the call you hear. Uh, Sam Radford earlier kind of talk about that, that it's what was, once was needed is not needed anymore when it comes to those neighborhood schools and, you know, taking kids from one area to another, especially on, you know, elementary level, middle school level, uh, when maybe the focus, right, should be uh, on just finding what's accessible, what's more accessible. Um, when it comes to talking with board members, you can go back to some of the interviews we've had on the early news and we talk to them and, you know, I, well, listen, we listen to their answers. Um, if you've learned anything about my style is I, I don't think you get anywhere by being ultra confrontational when talking one-on-one -on -one with somebody, you know, things might get heated. I think the more, you know, somebody, maybe the more things might get heated, but I, I mean, just shouting and shouting and shouting at people. Uh, is not really going to get the job done on this issue. We've talked with board members and, you know, they're offering up what they're doing and what they're trying to do. And it, it always kind of rings hollow in my ears because, as I've said throughout uh, the past weeks and throughout much of this show, I mean, really, the time for this conversation was a long time ago. And, you know, what Ed brought up of being creative now, you know, maybe people are being creative. Now we're hearing some different ideas 
But now is not the time to start a conversation about how we're going to do things differently. When you know, you knew last school year, looking forward to 2021, when kids go back, we have lost X amount of bus drivers. We typically, going into a school year, are faced with an issue on short, uh, being short bus drivers. This has the potential to be a very big issue heading into next year. That was the time to start thinking about some of these creative ideas. Not now. And there's the idea that <laughs> there's no accountability here. I mean, that is that is really at the core of this. I've said this before, and I think this is how I brought it up when we had the school board president in Buffalo on with us not too long ago, was if you go to any other business, I can even point to what happens here. You can hear it on the air. But you go to any other business, I think of any other job I, you know, have had, right? Where if there is an essential position, and I would say school bus drivers getting kids physically from their homes to the school, when you say you're going to do that, that would be essential in, you know, having kids in school. If there's an essential position and all of a sudden there's not somebody there to do it, Somebody else has to step in and do it. And that's how I brought it up with, you know, how our gym teachers four months ago not told, hey, we're going to pay for you to take a CDL uh, test because and you're going to have to go through this training because we don't know if we're going to have enough school bus drivers. I mean, that's being prepared and that's taking someone saying, hey, look, I know what you do is important, but we need this essential job right now to be done so you're going to be a school bus driver now, right? It's like when, uh, it's. I mean, it's no different. You work at McDonald's, right? Hey, look, I know you're mopping the floors. It's very nice. You want to keep it clean. But uh, the guy who's behind the grill didn't show up, so you're pressing burgers right now. I, I mean, it's here. It's, uh, you know, any, any day. Hey, Joe Beamer, l- listen. You're supposed to be keeping uh, Brian company, making sure he doesn't freak out on the air. But uh, you're going to be Tom Bowerly right now. That's that's what we need you to do. And this is, I mean, it happens in every industry, but it's not happening here. And, and that's the sense of urgency that I'm kind of uh, getting at that just was not there. And it absolutely amazes me that it wasn't there. Robert, you're in uh, Wheatfield, and now you're on WBEM. What's on your mind? Well, <clears throat> I've been a school driver for a school system for the past six years. And it seems like they're, they've come all of a sudden, they they come up with all this kind of money for everything. And after six years, I'm only making $20 an hour. Listen, Robert, while I, I'll stop you right there and then I'll let you continue. While I understand the frustration, um, I, I'm, well, actually, maybe I should have <laughs> let you continue because uh, I do you agree or disagree with my idea of telling bus drivers right now, listen, this is supply and demand is dictating uh, what we need to do in a crisis situation. Uh, we're bumping up that pay to seventy five, a hundred dollars an hour. Well, I personally, I think that's too much because the taxpayers won't, won't go for it. 
But I, well, here, here's the thing, and I'm sorry to interrupt you again. The money's already there, right? I mean, this is, and we kind of lose this every time. This is part of the stadium, you know, the new stadium talks and everything like that, that we always think about, oh, you know, we're going to have to pay for it. We already paid for it. There's a billion dollars right now that just for this year of money that was already collected from all of us that went to the Buffalo School District with the idea of getting kids back in school. So the money is there. Does that change your mind? Well, well, don't get me wrong. I would gladly accept a hundred dollars, <laughs> but but the, but the, but the thing is, you know, it's all of a sudden that everything's in a big crunch. And I'd like to say something about getting school drivers. Go ahead. How many you you have you have to uh, uh, fingerprint it, background check, uh, uh, alcohol and drug scan. How many people nowadays do not smoke pot? I mean, it's a fair question, Robert. Uh, I mean, getting that, and we've said this before, that this kind of goes into, and I, I thank you for the call and for your experience as a bus driver and continuing to be out there. This is why you don't wait until three weeks into the school year to start addressing the issue. It's going to take some time to find people. I It takes time to pass all those background checks. I mean, after all, we're in crisis mode now. Now we're saying, let's get anyone. Hey, you're a military. Hey, uh, you drive a truck around. Um, you know, let's hit up every rest stop uh, on the throughway to see who's around and willing to drive a school bus. I- ideally, you want some people who are vetted driving your kid to school. So you make a good point, And that is that we should have been talking about this quite a while ago. Uh, Frank, you're on WBEN. How's it going? It says here you you are a former bus driver. Yeah, I did a little stint of driving bus, but the regulations and everything, I couldn't do it. And I got to start off by saying bus drivers are super precious people. I mean, these are hauling your your most precious commodities, your most precious thing is the children. It's not an easy job. It absolutely, people think they can just hop on a bus, you know, even if you got a class B. You have no support. You're there driving the bus. you got all these kids behind you. you got to drive safe, and you've got to keep an eye on the kids because they don't put aids on the buses like they should. And I'll tell you what, it was harder than driving a tractor-trailer. And I've got nearly 2 million, 2 million accident-free miles, and I was worried about focusing on the kids and driving so much that I, I just it's a super hard job to do. These women and men that do this, are ordinarily retired and precious loved community members and the kids love them and they love working with the kids, but the schools don't pay enough and there's too many rules and restrictions and it's just, it just proved not to be worth it. And I was going to school, so I changed career. So, I mean, all these people thinking that it's an easy job, it is absolutely not. And it's one of the most rewarding jobs if you get into it, and school boards are finally starting to realize they need to organizationally and logistically change the pay structure to make it a full-time job because literally it was part-time. I'd go in in the morning and I'd go home and I'd go back at night. Well, if you don't have, you know, the transportation and the logistics behind it, that's a part-time job that's really not worth it for the pay. And when you talk about a professional trucker's pay compared to a bus driver hauling the most precious commodity – well, it's nothing. I mean, you talk about first student offering $25 an hour. For the job, that's still underpaid. 
And, you know, you may not have uh, a knowledge of what goes on behind a Class B or the rules and the medical and all these just ridiculous restrictions going on now. And the testing and the masking, it, people just, it makes no wonder they can't find anybody, even with $25 an hour. Frank, appreciate the call, and I think you raise a lot of good points. In, even without everything Frank said, I would say the simple rule supposed to govern our economy of supply and demand would say that what Frank said should be true, that these people should be paid more right now. Why? Because there's not enough of them, So <laughs> we need them. So what do we do? We raise the pay because we desperately need it. But even before all that, Everything you laid out there, I've always felt bad for school bus drivers. I, I wasn't exactly the worst, uh, the best kid, but I wasn't the worst either. I, I remember all my trips on a school bus. I mean, there were some school buses that were very nice, quiet, generally in the morning. You know, we pick everyone up in our neighborhood. Everyone's just sleepy anyway. It's a, not a bad ride to school, but man, in the afternoon, the place is like a, it's a zoo on wheels. I mean, you got kids, so, I mean... Kids full of energy, getting out of the classroom. You're dealing with all that and trying to drive safely. And then everything Frank mentioned on top of that. No, it's not fun at all. Cheryl, you're on WBEN. How's it going? Hey, how you doing? Doing well, Cheryl. What's on your mind? Well, what's on my mind is this bus thing, okay? Um, I truly believe that it is not, like this gentleman said, the easiest job. These bus drivers should be making more, okay? The problem is, is these it's all political because these politicians are taking this COVID way too far. And believe me, I'm not saying that the kids aren't important. They are important. They're very important. Just like my kids were when they went to school. I didn't want no mean bus driver or crazy bus driver or whatever. Um, you know, my kids had pretty decent bus drivers. But for goodness sake, this COVID thing has to calm down a little bit. They said a year ago, all these kids under 12 don't need to be vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. And these teachers, you know, they're still in the classroom. They're still wearing a mask. I wouldn't want my two-year-old wearing a mask. I would have to say they don't know enough about the vaccine yet. I got it. I was deadly sick, okay? Now, if you're a bus driver and you've been vaccinated, you should be good to go. They're all talking about all these antibodies. All right. So I feel sorry for these bus drivers. They have to drive this bus and kids have been cooped up for a year and a half. And now, you know, like you said, you know, the drive in, usually everybody's pretty, you know, low key and stuff on the way home. They're, you know, excited and, and, and crazy and they got a lot of uh, energy bottled up. But this thing about this mask thing, I mean, you got Fauci saying that six months ago that the mask didn't matter. Yeah, Cheryl, and we've uh, we played that clip a couple times before. The confusion, the a lot of thoughts there. I appreciate the energy that you're bringing here, and, and that kind of goes back to the uh, caller that we just had, where it's a, an another thing added to the stress of the job. And, and if you're wondering why people are turning away. Uh, you can't ignore that fact that there's all the things you have to do, and now we're going to add this. And now, you know, during your entire shift, uh, put the mask on, even if you roll the window down, even if you're vaccinated or, or something along those lines. I, I mean, that is – it's a reality of the situation. Tom, you're on WBEN. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Not bad. What's on your mind? When are we going to call Kreiner Cash, make him accountable for everything that's happening in our school system? 
I mean, it's ridiculous. They've known about this for, for months, possibly a year. If he ran a business like that, he'd have been thrown out of our uh, thrown out of the business a long time ago. He doesn't live here. He really doesn't have a stake in our community. Millions and millions of dollars are spent on this. I don't know how much the guy makes, but he's doing a crappy job. And if you call him out on it, you're a racist because he's black. I mean, when are they going to put a person that's suitable for the job there instead of putting somebody in there who fits a certain criteria. All right, Tom, I you know, the the racism part we've talked about on this show before where that is I mean, that's a favorite comeback of his when somebody brings up criticism. I mean, he's accused journalists doing their job of being racist for reporting what's going on in the school district. And I did have a major problem with that. You know, I it does come back, and if you want to reach Kreiner Cash, I, you probably have to start by dialing 508, as you mentioned there, somebody on our text board. You start in Martha's Vineyard if you're uh, you know, looking for answers. But, you know, I, I come back on this because I, I don't really I don't get out as much anymore as I used to being in here in the mornings. But I did a lot, and I did used to go to these school board meetings every other week. Uh, and why was that? Well, it was the time you might remember Carl Palladino was on the school board. And, you know, now that we've backed off of that a little bit, I I really do believe, and I was thinking this a little bit at the time, and, you know, he might be listening right now, and I would say this with him in the room, that he, he might have been the worst person to have on the school board. Why? Because he had good ideas. Some of these things that we were talking about today, neighborhood schools, accountability, financial accountability, leadership accountability, were really the core issues that he was looking to bring up throughout his tenure on the school board. Now, how can you say that? How can you say, Brian, he had these good ideas, but he was the worst person to have on the board? Well, because these ideas were now coming from somebody who nobody wanted to listen to because he was inflammatory. Sometimes I will say purposefully so. And I know because, like I said, I covered him on the school board. And I can kind of see that in somebody's eye. I can hear that in somebody's voice because I'm also somebody who enjoys egging people on, right? Playing the antagonist a little bit. So I I can tell when somebody's enjoying uh, being uh, an antagonizer just a little bit. I mean, he came into that uh, board seat with a, a large portion of the people already hating him, no matter what he did, no matter what the idea was. It's, it's almost like the former president, right? Trump says, a year, uh, what, a year and a half ago now, over a year ago, kids should be in school. What's the reaction? Half the country goes, it, it doesn't look at anything, doesn't look at any information. Well, the kids can't be in school. This guy said they have to be in school. Right, And he was that type of person. If these ideas that he was trying to bring to the school board came from somebody else, you know, maybe that would be underway. Maybe there would be, you know, a sense of accountability. But what happened was people just got so sick of the infighting. People got sick of a school board representing a city council or even worse, Congress. And they, you wanted to get away from that. You didn't want to turn it into a circus that it was becoming every single week. So you turn it over, and now what happens? Now everyone ignores it again. 
And it, whether that's better or worse, they have a little bit of room to work with. I, I mean, we'll let that up to you to decide because I'm just about out of time. But, I, you know, you can point to a lot of things in the past few years. And I, I do think back on that today when you start to think about accountability for uh, the board, the administration, and everybody else there in Buffalo. Hey, thanks for being with me. Be back tomorrow here. Be and Beamer on WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.